Welcome to the Burden and Blessing Podcast, a study and discussion forum on the truth of God's Word. Our Bible study series examines a specific part of God's Word of Truth. We pray that through this study your faith will be built up and you will grow in your knowledge and understanding of God's Word through what you hear. Welcome back to the Burden Blessing Podcast. We're taking a special episode today as we approach Ascension Day this week. And we're taking a look at the topic of the Ascension in the scriptures and what that means for our lives today as Christians. I'm Pastor Mark Tiefel and joining me to discuss this topic today is Pastor Nathaniel Mayhew. Uh, good to have you on today, Nathaniel, and excited to discuss the Ascension with you as we come up to it this week uh, on Thursday here. Uh, as we get started this morning, let's take a look at just a simple overview of what the Bible says about the topic of the Ascension. So could you give us an idea of where the Bible talks about it and what it says? Sure. Uh, it's good to be with you too, Mark. The Ascension is one of those festivals of the New Testament that used to be much more popular. It used to be that churches would celebrate Ascension Day and have Ascension Day services. In our modern world today, fewer and fewer churches actually do Ascension Day services. And I think a big part of it is because people don't have those days of the week off and it's harder to get time off. And so in the beginning of my ministry, I was in a church where we did not have Ascension Day services. Uh, now I'm in a church where we do, which is, I think, a really nice opportunity to reflect on the importance of the meaning of the Ascension of Jesus. Uh, it is mentioned a number of places throughout the Old and the New Testament, probably the most familiar of all of the accounts describing the events of the ascension of Jesus would be in the first chapter of the book of Acts. So in Acts chapter one, we're told that Jesus took his disciples and they went outside of Jerusalem and it was there that he was taken up into the clouds of heaven. That picture that we're so familiar with, if we think about ascension of Jesus and his disciples all gathered around him. And as he's having this conversation with them, literally he is, he's taken up into heaven and he's received out of their sight. The clouds sort of received him up. And then we're told that two angels come and they are standing there with the disciples and they tell the disciples, hey, why are you standing here looking up into heaven? The same Jesus whom you've seen go into heaven will return in the same way in which you have seen him go. So Luke probably best describes the events of the ascension of Jesus in that in those opening verses of Acts chapter one. Yeah, that's as you mentioned, that's where we get the iconic scene there that we think of when we when we consider the ascension and it's interesting that luke's gospel account is one of the gospels that also mentions the ascension uh directly and that's sort of a companion account with the book of acts which is interesting that luke was the one who really honed in on that account you mentioned some some references in the old testament most people probably don't think of the ascension with the old testament what kind of references come out from the Old Testament that point to the Ascension? Maybe one of the biggest is Psalm 110. And this is a Psalm that is often found on as a reading for Ascension Day. Uh, so there's, there's a couple of other places that you could go to that also kind of refer to the Ascension of Jesus. But this is familiar because of the opening verses of Psalm 110. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. 
And there's a couple of other references in there. It talks about the return of Jesus. If you think about the apostles or Nicene Creed, we confess that Jesus suffered, he died, he rose again, he ascended into heaven, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. And if you go to the end of Psalm 110, we have, he will judge among the nations, he will fill them with corpses, he will shatter the chief men over the broad country, he will drink from the brook by the wayside, therefore he will lift up his head. So Psalm 110 kind of incorporates not only the ascension of Jesus and sitting at the right hand of the Father, which is spoken of in in Paul's letter to the Ephesians as well, but also his judging of the world at the very end, that he will come again to judge the world. And at first, that might seem like a horrible thing when we realize our sinfulness and our our nature, which has fallen and corrupt. But we're reminded that God does come to judge, but he also judges what is on the inside and what we have been brought to know and believe by faith. And when we know Jesus as our savior, then that day of judgment holds no fear or terror for us, but rather confidence and joy, knowing that he is coming in order to remove us from this world of sin and to take us to that home that he has prepared through his death and resurrection. Yeah. It's a very, very interesting thought that comes out in Psalm 110 there. And you see more, indications of what the ascension meant in fact we talked about acts one describing ascension day but if you turn to acts two on peter's pentecost sermon he actually quotes from psalm 110 to talk about the ascension of christ there that he's sitting at the right hand and so that's the that's the next thought that we get to with the ascension is what was the purpose of it what is the connection to christ's power and and what is christ doing now I think one of the best places to go to to answer that question, at least in my in my mind, is in Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4, and there's other places again in the New Testament that we can go to that we learn a lot about what it is that Jesus is doing now as he sits at the right hand of the Father. But the ascension is specifically mentioned in, in Ephesians 4. And so we start in verse 7 of that chapter. There, Paul writes, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, and this is a quote from another psalm in the Old Testament, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives and gave gifts to men. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself who also ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. And so this this kind of starts there. Paul goes on to then talk about what it is that one of my favorite things about the ascension mark is this idea of the gifts that God, the ascended savior gives to his church so that the work of the church would continue on even though he was no longer physically present. And Paul so beautifully describes that here in Ephesians chapter four, where he talks about the gifts of apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers and how those gifts are given for the building up of Christ's church here on earth. So Jesus is no longer physically visibly present with us here because of the ascension he's at the right hand of the father but he does tell his disciples before he ascends into heaven i will be with you always even to the end of the age and he tells us in the verses that we study throughout this easter season leading up to pentecost that he's going to send his helper the holy spirit to be with his disciples with his followers 
and that the Holy Spirit would then teach them all things. So there's this beautiful picture that Jesus, while he is no longer physically in that same way present with his church here on earth, he continues to be with them in other ways in order to assist them in the work of the gospel proclamation. So we see in that, in that connection that we, we know that after Christ died, rose again, and ascended, he promised to send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit came after that and, and, and you know, strengthened, encouraged, guided the ministry of the early church. But Ascension reminds us that Jesus is also present in that work, too, and he really fills in that role that we know as, a, of, as intercessor. He is there interceding for us, and that's kind of what we get to when we talk about the right hand of God, the authority, the power that Jesus has. And so we see here why the Ascension Day is so special to us as New Testament believers, uh, because it really is focused on Jesus's presence continuing to be with us, as you said, and guiding and encouraging us in our faith and in the work of the ministry that we perform to do. Th these are some really important elements of our lives as New Testament Christians, and they all kind of revolve around Ascension Day. And as you mentioned at the beginning, that's one reason why it's important for us to keep Ascension Day in our minds and to keep it as an important festival in our church practice. Now, in your last statement there, you mentioned Jesus saying that he would be with us always. That comes from the wording of the Great Commission. And we know that the Ascension accounts in Luke and Acts are closely connected to the Great Commission accounts. What's that connection in the scriptures between Ascension Day and the Great Commission? Well, I think Paul brings that out in Ephesians chapter 4, that Jesus commissions his followers to proclaim that message of salvation to the world. And this isn't just a New Testament idea. Obviously, there was a commission. We might call it a great commission, even in the Old Testament. You think about prophets like Jonah. Jonah had, Jonah had the great commission. He was sent to the people of Nineveh in order to bring the gospel to them. Or Obadiah, who was sent to the Edomites. You know, all these prophets that were sent to foreign nations to bring them to the knowledge of the truth. But you're right, Mark, that a lot of times when we read through the Gospels, each one of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all record variations on the Great Commission between the, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and his ascension into heaven. They're not all specifically tied with the day of the ascension, but at several times in those resurrection appearances of Jesus to his disciples, he commissioned them and he said, hey, take this out. You're going to be witnesses of me to all the world, beginning here in Jerusalem and then to Samaria and to the ends of the world. And so you might think of Peter's words in the familiar verses of, of 1 Peter 2, verse 9, where we're, taught, we're called a holy nation, God's own special people, that we might proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So the commission that God gives to his church through the risen Savior is so important because of that tie to the Holy Spirit and the work and the fact that Jesus wants to continue to build up his church through his people until that day that he comes back and we see him coming, not going into the clouds, but coming back through the clouds to uh, finish the work of the redemption of this world on that day of his return. Yeah, the, the ascension always ends with that note, doesn't it? That just as he went up, 
so he will return. And that's what we should be preparing for and waiting for. And there's definitely a ministerial tone to that in, in the way we go about our faith, that because Jesus is coming again on the second day, that gives us the urgency of the message that we're proclaiming today. So we see that when Jesus ascended, it wasn't just random. It wasn't it wasn't just like, oh, okay, this is what I do now. There was an intentionality to it. There was a purpose to it. Now, is it fair to say that because there was a purpose to Jesus ascending, there is a purpose to our mission to go out and continue proclaiming the word? No, absolutely. I think that's one of the main focuses, not just of the New Testament, but also of the Old Testament, that the the work that Jesus has accomplished, that he has completed through his death and resurrection, is what gives purpose to his church. Now, we think of this in a New Testament aspect because we see Jesus dying, rising again visibly and physically, and then he ascends into heaven and he commissions his church to go out and tell all the world. You know, it doesn't matter which one of the gospels you want to draw from. Uh, he that believes and is baptized will be saved. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature from the gospel of Mark or the very familiar words from Matthew 28 of the Great Commission that we often think of. Uh, which is, you know, baptizing all the nations, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. Each one, each one of those brings out this idea of a commission of proclaiming to the world the resurrected and ever-living Savior. That is the church's work. It's our, it's our goal. It's our purpose. But interestingly, Mark, that was also true in the Old Testament, you know, there are many passages in the New Testament that talk about Jesus dying from the foundation of the world. In other words, Jesus, because the promise that God had made to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden was as good as already done because it depended on God's promise, that was the commission of the Old Testament church as well, but it was dependent on the fact that God would fulfill that promise in the future that God would work through his people in the Old Testament to do it. And that's why the prophets of the Old Testament had a message to proclaim, just like it's why we have a message to proclaim today. It all hinges on the work of Jesus during his ministry here in those 33 years. Jesus completed that work. He's ascended to the right hand of the Father. Uh, he is reigning. You indicated earlier the idea of uh, Christ's intercession on our behalf another really good cross reference is to go into the book of hebrews that talks so much about the intercession of jesus his work and that ties back to psalm 110 to the verses that we skipped he is a priest forever forever according to the order of melchizedek that implies the ascension of jesus into heaven where he continues his work as our high priest interceding on our behalf for the father and then ruling as our king on behalf of his church there in that position of authority and power at the Father's right hand. So Ephesians chapter 1 gets into that. Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father ties into Ephesians or Hebrews chapters 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Uh, all of those there would be really good cross-references that deal with the ascension of Jesus. So I think what we see is that there's a lot more to ascension than we typically think. We talked about the prototypical view of the ascension coming out of the first chapter of Acts there, where we see the scene depicted, but the scriptures dig into what it meant a lot more than what it looked like. And I think that's important for us to always go back to because the ascension strikes directly at things going on for us as New Testament believers. But as you mentioned, from a substance standpoint, 
the point of ascension is to encourage us to go out and spread the gospel. But that the gospel is also the power behind the ascension. Like you said, for the Old Testament believer, they had promises that were hanging on the very same thing that we go back to as our hope and our comfort, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, and so ascension is 40 days after Easter, but we're not removed from a content perspective from the events of Easter Sunday and the, and the implications that came out of Jesus coming out of the tomb. And it's always a good reminder for us to go back to that gospel message for our faith lives. As we wrap up our discussion on Ascension, let's take a look at it from a sort of a church history perspective with our last question. And that is, what kind of changes do we see in the early church because of the Ascension? Now, we usually connect that thought to Pentecost with the coming of the Holy Spirit. But as we've seen here in Ascension, which comes before Pentecost, there's also the promise that Jesus is with us always. So with Jesus leaving them from a physical presence standpoint and being with them through the word and the sacraments, what kind of changes did we see in the early church and in particular in the apostles? Well, the book of Acts really clearly brings this out. You mentioned the tie to the Gospel of Luke. You can go back to the Gospel of Luke and see how the apostles acted at the time of Jesus's arrest all the way up until even after his, his, his resurrection appearances. And then you skip ahead to the book of Acts after his a, a number of re repeated resurrection appearances and then the ascension of Jesus into heaven, you see a change in the apostles. They get together right, right away and they're, they're reorganizing in the first chapter of the book of Acts. And then you have, as you mentioned, Peter's Pentecost sermon where they are boldly in public proclaiming the name of Jesus. That goes on in Acts chapter three with Peter and John at the temple. Uh, Acts chapter four, the leaders of the Jews are saying, these guys are just common fishermen. How can they be talking about these things? And I think the, the simple answer to your question, Mark, is the knowledge of who Jesus is and the understanding of what Jesus has done for us it changes us. It can't help but change us. And so when we know and what we, when we understand what it is that Jesus has accomplished through his death, death and the resurrection, and when we appreciate the promises that he has made to his people, that he will be with us always, that he will go with us wherever we are, that he will give us the words to speak when he opens those doors for us, it motivates us to say, I'm not afraid of what might come but I'm going in the strength of the Lord, knowing that he's at the right hand of the father and that he will be with me. And, and I'm not afraid to do anything. So it does change the perspective. It did change the perspective of the apostles and the followers of Jesus in the early church. And that wasn't just true in the book of Acts. You mentioned church history. That was true in the era of the Reformation. And it was true throughout the history of the New Testament, even through persecution. If you study uh, Fox's Book of Markers or others, these individuals who stood up for their faith because they knew what Jesus had done and they weren't afraid to proclaim it. The message of what Jesus has accomplished, it changes who we are, what we do, and what we're motivated to say and do in the world around us. Yep, perfectly put. And that's really the key, isn't it? That ascension tells us about is that it's the person has gone back to heaven jesus is in heaven but the message is with us the word is still with us and that boldness that confidence that encouragement to go out and to proclaim the gospel and to be changed by it 
uh, comes through the message that Jesus has given us. We don't have to rely on sight. We rely on the word of God. And that's, that's really the enduring message of ascension as you see it portrayed, like you mentioned, throughout all of church history. Um, any, any pivotal moment for the church has been built around the gospel message of Jesus. And ascension di- naturally dictates and directs us back to that message as Jesus has gone into heaven. Well, thank you, Nathaniel, for walking through the scriptures with us today and, and explaining for us the significance, the importance of Ascension Day and what God has to say about it in his word. We thank our listeners for joining us again for another podcast here on Burden Blessing. Please subscribe if you haven't yet and follow us for many different types of podcasts as we, as we look at using that word and that message in our lives and applying it to our faith today. And have a blessed Ascension Day. We hope that you will join us again next week for another episode of Burden and Blessing Podcast as we continue to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Until next time, take confidence in your Savior's promise that he will always be with you, even to the end of the world.